Net-A-Porter presents the Incredible Women podcast, Series 7, Vision and Voice. I'm Alice Casely-Hayford, Content Director at Net-A-Porter, and I'm absolutely delighted to be joined for this episode of our seventh series, Vision and Voice, by fashion designer Amelia Wickstead. Born in New Zealand, Wickstead spent her formative years in Milan before moving to London to study fashion design and marketing at Central St. Martins, graduating with honours in 2007. After her studies, Wickstead worked at American Vogue and fashion houses including Giorgio Armani before returning to London to establish her eponymous brand in 2008. Now in its 15th year, her luxury women's wear label has become renowned for epitomising modern femininity. As a woman, I love to empower other women to talk about women's journeys, their stories, photograph them in an, in an inspiring and exciting way, and so that you can almost see yourself being one of those women. With a flagship store in London's Belgravia, Amelia Wickstead has expanded into bridal and homeware, as well as offering bespoke and made-to-order services from her West London atelier. Worn and adored by fashion, music and film's leading ladies, from Lady Gaga to Kerry Washington, the designer's bold vision combines tradition and the romance of bygone eras with refined silhouettes and contemporary twists to create timeless, elegant clothing. Well, hello, Amelia. Welcome. It's such a pleasure to be sitting down with you today. How are you doing? Great. How are you doing? I'm very well. I'm super <laughs> excited to be chatting with you. So the theme is, of course, vision and voice, and we are so inspired by your amazing creative vision. Can you tell us a little bit about your inspiration and the motivation for your brand? 100%. I mean, filled with several inspirations and motivations continuously. We always need new ones. Um, but ultimately, I'd say the greatest source would be women. Um, the first woman to inspire me ultimately is my mother. Um, she balanced a career with motherhood. She was a single mother with modernity, with creativity. And um, I don't know, I, I when I when I observe and, and watch women, you know, my peers, my friends, customers, uh, people that work alongside me, um, I think that they're my motivation. Um, they're my motivation because they're inspiring me. They are cultivating really interesting lives. They're doing it all. Um, and they're proud. I mean, when, you know, if I'm, if I'm talking about specific, you know, women that, that I'm surrounded by, they're, they're proud of everything that they're doing. Um, and I think that ultimately I'm, you know, I'm I'm motivated to work hard to provide for my family to be an inspiration for them. So it's sort of a full circle. I don't know if that makes sense. That but makes perfect sense. Yes. Yeah. And so I, women, women like everywhere, men as well. My husband motivates and inspires me. Can't forget <laughs> him. But uh, but yeah, really and truly. And I think that's being raised by a single mother. Also, my grandmother was mm -hmm. was a was a huge part of my upbringing. Um, and yeah, just surrounded by strong, inspiring, just brilliant women. Well, that is the perfect answer for the Incredible Women podcast, I have to say. <laughs> and I think mentioning Great. your mother, um, that was going to be my next question to ask a little bit more about her. Obviously, she's a fashion designer and my yes. father was also a fashion designer. Yes. So I grew up in my parents' studio, which was the most incredible, if not slightly unconventional experience for me. Can you explain what growing up um, with such an amazing creative force was like? I mean, she still is just such an incredible, um, amazing force. And I think she 
she has this sort of strong visual legacy as well about her, which I think I always saw as a little girl growing up. And this real sort of vigor and personal style. And she still to this day has that too. So I think ultimately she's she's forever inspiring me. You know, I'm always asking her questions. Um, you know, she's got this real curiosity. She's, she's very forward thinking. But, you know, growing up uh, with a fashion designer mother, um, I mean, that's all I ever knew. Um, when I was a baby, she went to uh, tech to learn how to become a pattern maker, to learn how to sew, to do all of that. And, you know, I remember where we lived, she'd sort of go downstairs at nighttime when I would go um, to bed sort of into the side part of the garage and 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 was essentially building her business. So that's all I've ever known. And obviously, I have extremely fond memories of, you know, filling her pincushions, watching her fit women. And it's so funny because at the time, of course, all I wanted to do was probably go home or, you know, um, playing with my Barbies with her sleeve press and just waiting. I just remember always waiting to go home. So I'd go there after school. But interestingly enough, when I think about it now, I mean, it was my education. So everything that I saw and witnessed. And um, I always joke with my mom, I'm like, what were your clients thinking when your daughter was just sitting there, like (laughs) observing them in their fittings Um, and watching her, you know, liaise with women, Mm. understand women, watching her fit a garment, watching her run and manage people. I saw the highs and the lows. Um, When I was younger, I, I believe that I said to her, whatever you do, never leave me your business because I think I saw and then look here I am today Um, but it's interesting I mean I never for a split second would have wanted it any other way and she was just and and still is just such a force of nature where nothing could get in her way and she you know she was just such a success she was a success but such a success in my eyes Mm. and I was so proud of her and um, it was a like I said a wonderful education Mm. Well, it's very funny that you say that because I remember saying to my parents that I wanted to work in fashion. They were like, whatever you do, anything but fashion. And it's funny that you said the same to your mum. But then here she, we are. Yeah, and I think she felt the same with yeah. me as well. She was like, don't work, do not work in fashion. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I guess you become so engrossed in their world totally. and it, it, it becomes almost natural to you and everything that I do. I mean, even... When we moved later on, when I was 14, Mm. we left New Zealand and we moved to Italy. Um, My mother married an Italian. And, you know, I think of how, well, actually, even in New Zealand, I'd want to buy a T-shirt. I was I was I was into dressing like a skater girl and and I would save up and I wanted to buy this T-shirt. It had Babe written on it. And even (laughs) that should take me to the shop. We'd look at the quality of the inside of how it was made, what it was made out of. And just things like that, that you I don't know. You 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 learn that, of course. but but it's 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 almost ingrained in you from such a young age. It's Absolutely. part of your mold who you are. Well, I'm very interested to hear how moving from New Zealand, where I can imagine yes. there's a, a certain type of style, to moving to Milan, and then you've obviously been in New York. Now you're in London. How have those different chapters of your life informed your outlook and your style? It's such an interesting question because I think one thing that my mother was also, you know, so brilliant about was she was always very put together, very, very stylish. Um, But she really let me sort of experiment creatively um, with the way that I wanted to dress. I mean, I went from sort of, I think I had hair that was two centimetres long and I dressed like a boy or then I went through another phase where 
my favorite thing to do on the weekends was to go to secondhand stores. And we're talking secondhand stores where clothing came in big rubbish sacks. So you would just (laughs) like go through and like pull out things. And the craziest things I would wear, I'd knot my hair in tiny knots and, you know, just put flowers in my hair. And, you know, and she never said anything. She just let me creatively find myself. Mm. And I think the biggest shock to my system was moving to... We actually lived in a small town outside of Milan, so I caught a few trains to go to school in Milan and going to school where all of a sudden, and just being in this world where women were extremely feminine, Mm. um, they all had long hair and Mm -hmm. they, it was just completely different. And, you know, um, you you sort of, everyone had perfect shoes. I'll never forget that. And no one was dressed casually. I mean, New Zealand is an extremely casual place and very... I believe, very free and liberal to a very sort of, well, it felt for me at the time like quite materialistic. Um, In order to fit in, you had to sort of be dressed in a certain way um, and, yeah, and to act in a certain way. And I guess that was an extremely huge eye-opener to me um, from a cultural perspective. Mm. Uh, But also I had never seen a designer store in my life before. I had never seen a newspaper with huge adverts for like designer brands. And so I just couldn't believe my eyes. I was in heaven. Oh, my God, I bet. But it must have been such a culture shock, as you said, going from your babe T-shirts and flowers in your hair to like surrounded by Prada and all of the most exquisite brands in the world. Yes, it was it was incredible. And Milan was, uh, you know, it was such a fashion sort of hub. And when it was fashion week, everybody was out and. I don't know. It was um, for for a fourteen year old. Yeah. It was a lot to take in, and it was absolutely mesmerizing and brilliant. And I just, I just couldn't believe. I couldn't believe my eyes. I bet. So then you obviously went to New York, and then you came to London to study. Yes. Does London feel where you belong in terms of style and approach and outlook? When I arrived in London, um, I actually went to New York in, in between, so it was part of my graduate course, but. When I arrived in London, I remember feeling free. Yeah. And I took so many learnings from growing up in Italy. And again, um, you know, I think that's what almost created a lot of sort of polished lines and everything that I do and mm. and um, a sort of put together look and beautiful quality, mm-hmm. you know, the beautiful quality leather or the finishings that we, you know, it was, a again, an education. Um, and then coming to London was again sort of feeling free and feeling experimental and you could just really and truly be yourself. Totally. And I think that's why I've never left. Oh, I love right. London. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You spoke earlier about your brand being very customer centric and how the incredible women who inspire you, namely a lot of your clients, they are at the heart of your brand. I'm sure it's very multifaceted, but who is the Amelia Wickstead woman? Oh, goodness. Um, The Amelia Wickstead woman, I always say, and I truly uh, believe this, is every woman. I spent the first seven years of my business um, Mm -hmm. seeing women one-on-one. Yeah. And then when I uh, opened in 2008, which was the recession, so sort of attempted to open a store with no stock. Yeah. Um, And uh, I worked in the store, you know, Monday to Saturday. It was just me. Yeah. And again, another education, but understanding women's needs, their desires, um, 
all different types of, mm-hmm. of women, different mm-hmm. body shapes, mm-hmm. different needs, mm-hmm. um, and and so forth. And what was kind of amazing is this was before social media, of course. So, um, and the world was in a very different place. But women would come and build wardrobes. Yeah. So it wasn't that they'd come in and shop one piece. And I I didn't have any stock, so we were creating yeah. almost made to measure pieces. I yeah. was I was trying lots of mistakes made along, <laughs> along the way, and um, just learning like truly. And and I was 23, 24. So for me to learn what women, you know, in their 30s and their 40s and their 50s and their 60s want to wear, it was absolutely terrific. Um, And I think, you know, our customers still today, she's that same woman that I remember sort of stepping into our space. She's bold in thinking and she's fashion forward. You know, she loves to play on tradition and heritage, but she has this real sort of modern approach. Yeah to her and um and and of course I truly believe that an Amelia Wickstead woman is a woman who really appreciates getting dressed up. Um but she also, and I think this comes from my New Zealand heritage, she has this real sense of ease mm-hmm. and freshness to the way that she dresses. And I think that it's almost like a juxtaposition, but it's almost like combined together this sort of ease, but the appreciation of getting dressed up and and tradition and good quality and good fit. Yeah. It all sort of comes together when I think of an Amelia Wickstead design for an Amelia Wickstead uh, woman. Well, that I think is the perfect definition of your brand. And that's why I'm an Amelia Wickstead woman too. Great. <laughs> um, but you mentioned, gosh, you were 24 when you began. Yikes. And in the midst of a recession, I'm always in awe sitting down with female founders, but how can you just tell me a little bit about what it was like to um, launch a brand at such a young age? God, when I was 24, I was falling out of nightclubs. <laughs> what? How can you build an empire? And what were the mistakes that you just mentioned? Well, that- I was definitely still falling out of nightclubs. Don't worry about that. Um, uh, in fact, I to pay for starting a business, I actually worked oh, in a well, nightclub in the evenings too, um, which I never like to say. I haven't brought that up for years, actually. I was always like, oh, I'm so embarrassed about that. But that was the truth. I yeah. worked uh, through the night doing that. But I think that I was incredibly naive. Mm. I think that I had a really strong-minded workaholic, nothing can get in your way, never ever sort of give up approach mm-hmm. to work working from my mother in the way that I was raised. And I had a dream and I had a vision and I knew what I wanted to do. I had studied uh, fashion design at Central St. Martins, but I'd also studied marketing. And I think that everything always had a bit of a commercial and a business approach. So that was sort of instilled in me from, from, you know, early days. And, And also like seeing my mother's business be incredibly successful at times and other times it just being really really difficult Mm. and understanding how you need to be so resilient and how it's always going to be up and down. So that again was hugely insightful for someone like me starting a brand. Um, I also had my mum on the other line of the phone if I I had any questions, which is also extremely helpful. But I was so naive. I mean, I used to go to things or buy a ticket to be at the British Fashion Awards, which was very different to what it is now, (laughs) and would just go into a room surrounded by people and wear my best outfit that I designed and go and introduce myself to everybody. God, amazing. And it was horrifically yeah. embarrassing and I dreaded it, but I just knew that I had to had to start somewhere and do something. And I mean, to the point that uh, Sarah Harris, who's 
a dear friend and the deputy of, of British Vogue. I mean, my first call to Vogue was literally looking through the, you know, the front of the magazine where it says who does what and cold calling and calling Sarah Harris and saying, hello, my name is Layla. I'm the assistant of Amelia <laughs> Oh my Wickstead. gosh, we've all done that trick. And, yeah, and, I, and I'd, love, I'd love you to see her brand. Could you please, could you please tap in her website? And that, and, and that was genuinely how, you know, we, we had our first, you know, little, little mention in, in British Vogue and, and things like that. So I think it's a lot of naivety and, and courage and, um, and a real passion and drive for really wanting to have something so desperately. And I and I think that I really had that. And I think that comes out of the work ethic that, yeah. that comes out of New Zealand culture yeah. through the way that I was raised and not really having any other choice but to make money and do it yourself mm. and find a way. Mm. Well, that focus is so inspiring. And it, it makes me laugh that you sending your own emails to Sarah. I did the same. I remember. It was a phone call. Oh, a phone call. Actually, that, that's, that's worse. It's even more nerve-wracking. <laughs> I used to, um, a few careers back, yeah. um, used to send my um, own fashion week requests, but from an assistant oh address. But then I'd always sign off Alice. And I was like, oh, oh my God, everyone's going to see through that. That's so embarrassing. <laughs> but it's things that you do. And I always remind, um, you know, when we have sort of young graduates that come and intern with us. And I always remind them of those sorts of things because at the end of the day people still love you know one of the members of my design team I mean she interviewed with me several times and qu yeah. kept emailing me and persisting and and I just love the courage that totally. that we have as as women and just totally. going for it and totally. and and going for what you want and it it will happen if you really want it. Agreed, and that resilience, yeah, as you said, it pays off. Yes. And it's amazing if that person kept trying and trying and they finally landed their dream job with you. So yes, that's wonderful. Um, we've touched on it a bit already, but your campaigns regularly feature women who inspire you. So I'd just love to hear a little bit more about this relationship between yourself and your clients and your muses. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of my biggest passions is is being extremely authentic in everything that we do and, mm. and dressing, you know, real women mm -hmm. so that you can picture yourself in, in our clothing. Yeah. And I think for, for me, I feel that being a fashion designer, I'm responsible to educate, I guess, in my own way and, and show what I believe is a certain way to wear something also to create a fantasy, to create mm -hmm. a dream. Mm -hmm. um, but to really also make women understand that in, in the best way possible, obviously it's still a campaign, but in the best way possible. And, and me being a woman, I feel so fortunate because yeah. I can wear my clothing and, and, and show how I wear it and where I'm wearing it too and how I'm multitasking. Yeah. But I guess it's my sort of tribute to to every woman and I try to showcase it on inspiring women yeah. who, you know, have become muses for me, um, obviously. But, you know, I love talking about other women who are also in my field that are creative and, you know, making it in the creative industry mm -hmm. and how inspiring they are, talking about their journey, their story um, and how they work and what they do and, and showcasing them wearing Amelia Wickstead, but mm. all in completely different ways, mm. all in completely different scenarios. Um, when we photographed women and their children, yes, again, I loved you know, those, those images were beautiful. You know, and and so many incredible women cast. It was fantastic. It was, it was great. And it was, again, such a, such a passion project. Um, you know, I just feel that as a woman, I love to empower other women mm -hmm. to talk about women's journeys, their stories, photograph them in, in an inspiring and exciting way and so that you can almost see yourself being one of those women totally. I, that's that's what I that's what I like to think um I'm always learning from 
the women that we shoot, mm. from our customers. We're always trying to evolve the brand mm. to to sort of almost, I guess, service every kind of woman. So yeah. in the way that we curate, you know, separate capsules to our main collections or the way that we create swimwear now or the way that we've created homeware or, you know, an entire knitwear collection or specifically mm-hmm. holid- a holiday mm-hmm. wardrobe. It's so that we're almost providing and evolving yeah. the brand for every woman mm. and for anything that you need, essentially. That's, yeah, totally. that's that's my dream. Totally. And I have to say, before this podcast, I tried on, um, I think, a new pair of your trousers, yes. which I literally refused to take off. They are exquisite. And I'm pretty tall. I'm six foot and have big hips. So it's quite tricky to find the right trouser. And my God, they were so flattering. So you so truly make the most exquisite wearable pieces. And that's such a feat. You're very sweet. That's, that's, that's the aim. <laughs> yeah. But I think at the same time as talking about this amazing community of um, women that you know, you have also dressed a fair few A-listers in your time um, and everyone from, you know, the Princess of Wales or Lady Gaga to Malala and all incredibly inspiring, thoughtful, brilliant women. Are there any other celebrities that you'd love to tick off the box? I mean, there are many, (laughs) many, many, many. I think, honestly, I get most excited when I spontaneously see, you know, women in the world just wearing Amelia Wickstead. I mean, to the point that if they are, I'll sort of stop them and say, you look absolutely fantastic. Or like, (laughs) I recognise that dress. I'll never say that it's me. But that is probably, those are my proudest moments. So whether it's on the red carpet, whether it's on the street, I remember going into a coat check once and three women were getting their coats and they were all Amelia Wickstead. No and I way. thought, God, I feel like I've made it. Um, That's so, amazing. So I think we have such an incredible, you know, vast sort of world of women that we dress. Yeah. And I feel so lucky that really everything that we do is for all women. Yes. So you launched your brand um, in 2008. So it's been 15 years now, which is Blooming, long time. remarkable. And um, the fashion industry, as we were just saying, is 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 pretty challenging. So <laughs> staying 15 years is absolutely remarkable. But what's next and what do you hope to do in the next 15 years? Very good question. I feel like we're just coming out of the, what do you say, the co- the cobwebs of 15 <laughs> years. It's been quite a journey. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think for me, it's about continuing to expand our offering mm-hmm. to enrich, you know, all areas of our customers' lives and wardrobes. So exactly what I was talking about. I mean, for me, it's about serving, providing, that is my job, like that and learning from my from my customer, learning from from what women want and need from me. Um, and so I guess that's what we're doing. I mean, we've we've built uh, most recently. I would say we've, we've one of the things that we've done is we've built a homeware collection. It's a brilliant example of this. Also mm-hmm. stocked in Etoporta. It is. <laughs> um, but we but we offer you know we offer a unique point of view in terms that it's again like our clothing. The homeware is built to last. It's mm. to keep forever. It's not sort of a, a fashion moment necessarily, but it's been designed to yeah. sort of last forever and yeah. to be passed down. And I like to think that with our clothing as well and in our narrative of like, you know, sort of continuing to expand the lifestyle, you know, side of the business is that, you know, I, I hope that you can pull out your Amelia Wixie dresses that your daughters, your cousins, yeah. your, you know, can wear the dress that you bought this year, you know, in 10, 20 years time, almost like you would pull out a Chanel jacket and yes, still wear it today. Absolutely. And I've, you know, what's really interesting is I've always wanted that since, you know, at 
God, well, when did I decide that I wanted to start a fashion brand? <laughs> when I was in my science class at school and they said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I was very clear. Um, well, I bet that went down well. So, yeah, like, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Um, but I think that I've always wanted to be that kind of designer. Mm -hmm. I want to be, you know, sustainable. I want to be a forever piece. And um, I still, you know, we're fashion forward. We create the dream. We we bring energy Mm. to women's wardrobes. We make women feel confident. We are empowering. And I think it's really interesting how when you put on something that's Amelia Wicks did, and I speak to women or just the way that it makes me feel, I feel like I can achieve anything. Aww. And that's and that yeah. for me is is sort of, you know, what's next is really just to continue, but to do it even bigger and better. Incredible. Well, when you spoke a bit about sustainability there and wanting to create these pieces that last and can be passed down to your daughters, your sisters, your cousins, your friends. But with that said, the fashion cycle, the industry is relentless. It never stops. We thought kind of COVID might bring about a pause, but it seems we're just back even (laughs) faster and I can't catch my breath. How do you keep up and how do you look after yourself and your team and your well-being? That's a really good question. I would say that I didn't for the mm. longest time and and paid the price. And I think that's really important to talk about because some people think that it, it's quite easy and, oh, you're doing everything and we can do everything. Yeah. And actually, we've actually really got to take care of ourselves totally. along the journey. I mean, I would say that, you know, 100% you need a huge amount of resilience and energy and you need to be passionate about your purpose. And I think that, um, you know, I've always got in the, in the back of my head, never, never give up. That's, that's one of my favorite quotes, a very simple one, but a very, a very true one. And, you know, I think you've got to stay true to your purpose and your mission and you've got to believe in it wholeheartedly. And of course, never, never give up, but you've also got to set boundaries. Yeah. And I think I never, set boundaries mm-hmm. um and I do now but I do truly also believe that that comes with time totally and I think that um you know fashion and the, the way that it is really fast-paced and mm-hmm. what you do and to be able to still be standing after 15 years yeah. that's because you've got to put all that passion into it and yeah. you kind of can't stop and I think that that is the career path but you've got to be careful on the never never give up because yeah. because you've got to really take care of yourself exactly. along the you've journey you've got to know when to switch off and to give yourself a weekend yes. or an evening yes. and back in the day I would be at my desk until midnight but now I'm not ashamed and I hope I can allow my team <laughs> I definitely allow my team to leave when they need to if they want to go to a yoga class if they need to pick up their kid if they yes. need some time out go forth because that's how you achieve the best work if you're if you have that balance yes so. and I also think that now you know it's okay to do that whereas exactly. I, I think that when you know exactly what you were describing and when I started it's like it was sort of frowned upon mm-hmm. to, to do that and you and also I wanted to try to do everything to exactly. to be a part of everything and and um, tick all the boxes but you're quite right and I think it's okay to also have your time and you achieve more anyway totally. most of the time yeah you've just got to find your little nook and your boundaries and yeah. and the way that it works best for you but my goodness, you need you need resilience yeah, and, and passion because sure uh, <laughs> without that, it's, it's still pretty it's, intense. It's a, lot. it's a lot. How would you like to see the industry evolve for 2024? What beyond your own brand, what would you like to see other brands doing in the industry as a whole? I mean, I always sort of say that I would love to see designers and brands sort of doing their own thing in their own unique way. Yeah. Um, I started Amelia Wickstead in a very 
unconventional way. I started with a made-to-measure model. I had no stock. I didn't go into wholesale for many, many years. Mm -hmm. You know, someone would come in and purchase a garment and give me 50% of the payment and then, you know, would pay 50% upon picking it up. And what that meant was I just built a business in a a less, I guess, suffocating way. Mm -hmm. You know, then I could buy the fabric when I had the the deposit. It, It was just very different. And sometimes I think that... If you can find a way, it doesn't have to be the quintessential traditional way um, that sometimes is really challenging and having the finances to be able to do that. And and I didn't. So I found my own path in my own way. Mm -hmm. I built a different kind of education. It definitely took me longer. But in some some respects, I kind of think that that was my secret weapon, that it took longer. I always say, you know, we're a bit, bit of a slow fashion example, but you know, we weren't sort of of the moment for a second yeah. and we we did it in our own way and I grew with that and I learned with the process. Mm-hmm. And when I made mistakes, it was okay because I had a longer ride with everything and now I feel like in such a great place, totally. the business is in such a great place. It definitely took longer, but I would say that, um, you know, the made-to-measure model that I built, it's, um, it's made us a commercial business from the get-go. It's underpinned our success. Mm -hmm. And it allows us to now do a bit of everything Mm -hmm. um, and to be who we want to be. So it's almost doing everything backwards. So I would definitely say, do things in your own unique way and the way that it works for you. And again, in this industry, which can be fickle, again, it's sort of find your path totally, and the way that you want to do it. Well, that is a brilliant answer um, and really encapsulates your amazing vision. And I guess for my very last question, I have to ask you, whose vision or voice most inspires you? Oh, goodness. Um, Like inspirations. uh, (laughs) There are so many um, and always interchangeable. Um, I think there are so many voices and visions that inspire me. But out of having given birth to Amelia Wickstead 15 years ago, I've had so many incredible learnings. And I would say, the biggest one is that the voices and the visions that inspire me most are the people that know me the most. Yeah. You know, when when you first say this, I think, oh gosh, you know, who like my muses or 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 people that have, have built incredible businesses themselves. Mm-hmm. Or but actually when you are building a business along that ride, what is the voices and the visions that are going to inspire you, the people that know you best that are going to push you along yes, yes. and be your partner yeah. through all of this? Um, because you may or you might not have a business partner yes. and it's really jolly hard when you're doing <laughs> yes. it alone. Um, and so I, you know, again, I think who are mine and I would definitely say, you know, it's my husband and my mother. It might be a remark that my godmother makes, yeah. but it's people that know you extremely well. They know your character. They know your nervous system. Mm-hmm. They know they know the way that you'll react to things and they can put things into perspective for you when you're along the ride and, and on a journey. Um, but past that, I would say you need to trust your own voice and your own vision. And that's taken me a really long time. So I think you've got to listen to everybody. You know, I would say weirdly that I love constructive criticism because I think that's how you grow and that's Mm -hmm. how you, you know, you develop as a designer. And without that, you're never going to move forward because Mm -hmm. you're, you know, you're only thinking your own thoughts. But but you have to trust your own voice and vision at the end of the day. So with all of that, you take it all in, but you've got to, you know, at the end of the day, and you've got to go with your gut. And the times that I've listened to, oh, you should do this, or you should do that, or this is what everybody else is doing. And 
so forth. Afterwards, sometimes I've thought, God, in my gut, I knew that wasn't right. Yeah. And it was the wrong decision. Yeah. Wasn't the best path for us, for the business, for, for my family, um, for, for me. And so I would say, as you grow and you mature and you become older and you work for many years doing mm. what you do, it, it comes naturally. But even in the beginning, really believe in yourself and your, like, listen to your gut but take everything on board. Yes. That will, that will create. <laughs> that helps too. That will help. Like you never, you should never work alone and be alone with your own thoughts. Um, but I think that at the end of the day, your voice and your vision has to be what inspires you the mm. most. And and you know you've got it. Mm-hmm. Well, you know it's is, there. That is the perfect answer <laughs> and the perfect note to finish on. Well, thank you so much, thank Amelia, you. for all that you do, for your incredible brand and for joining <laughs> us today. It has been such Trying. a pleasure <laughs> to, to chat with you. So thank oh, you so you much. Oh, you too. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Vision and Voice was brought to you by Netta Porte and Chalk and Blade. Hosted by Netta Porte's content director, Alice Casely-Hayford, and fashion director Kay Barron. The team at Net-A-Porte was Katie Barrington as the senior editor, with casting by Annabelle Brock and Olivia Wakefield, and coordination by Erin Shanahan. The producer at Chalk and Blade was Emily Wally. Original music by Alexis Adamora, and the series was mixed by Nasson De Silva.